Welcome to the Humanise the Numbers podcast series. Leaders, managers and owners of ambitious accounting firms sharing insights, successes and issues that will challenge you and connect you and your firm to the ways and means of transforming your firm's results. As as CEO, as managing director, I should be spending 70% of my time on marketing. Now, when I first heard that, I nearly fell off my chair. How do you think it feels as a leader of an accounting firm, knowing without any doubt what the vision of your firm really is. On this discussion with Joe Drinkwater from Grant McKnight in the West Midlands, you'll hear Joe quickly and easily describe her vision of her firm and see the enthusiasm she's got for her business. Let's dive into that discussion with Joe Drinkwater now. Joe, would you please give us a, a bit of a, a, an introduction and some background on Grant McKnight and then we'll, uh, we'll see where we go. Absolutely. Well, first of all, thanks for having me, Paul. So my, my accountancy practice, Grant McKnight, was registered two and a half years ago. I started Grant McKnight back in November 2018 when I spent a lot of my, my later years in my career doing a lot of different contract roles. So setting up my own practice has been on the cards for a long time. So I finally decided to take the plunge after I felt that I'd got to my highest point of my career being FD for a a global FTSE 100 company. So I set up Grant McKnight Limited in November 2018 and the name comes from both of my grandmas. So my surname Drinkwater I didn't feel is a very uh, accountancy friendly name. So my mum's mum, Mabel Grant is where the grant comes from. And my dad's mum, Gracie McKnight, is where McKnight comes from. Both Brilliant. Scottish surnames. Right. And I just thought it just sounded much better than... It's got a good my, ring to it, hasn't it? Yeah, or my married name, Tisdale. So that's where the name came from. Cool. So I um, got my offices back in 2018, was thinking about setting up in December 2018, and then I was approached again to do another contract. So my office sat dormant until the summer of 2019... Right. And I then decided to launch on Halloween 2019. So Grant McKnight was officially launched in October 2019. And it's funny how things turn out because had I set my practice up back in November 2018, I would have done it very differently to how I did set it up purely because of the pace at which technology, software, AI had come along in such a short space of time. So what what do you think is so different in that short 12-month window, Joan? So without naming any names with the top software providers, I originally was going to start just accepting all of the big boys. And when I decided to set up officially in 2019, I actually went along to the ICAEW, so the Institute of Chartered Accountants, um, actual webinar called Setting Up Your Own Accountancy oh, right. Practice and Digitalizing right. Your Practice. Now, at that, that conference, Digitalizing Your Practice, I was made aware of the full suite of the advisory software that integrates with cloud accounting. Right. So, in the early days, some of the tools that are out there now, some of the big advisory players, weren't as well known or as well used in the accountancy space. So by delaying it a year and going to market when there'd been other people that had tried and tested software, they were able to give me some solid advice on on what to use, what not to use, perhaps go down, 
you know, advocating one type of cloud accounting yeah, yeah, yeah. software as opposed to offering the full suite. Okay, so so therefore it sounds as though from the get-go you're starting your firm not just as an accounting, a compliance accountancy firm. You want it to, you want it to be an advisory accounting firm. Why why is that? What's the what's the raison d'etre behind that? So I believe that compliance services with the use of AI, blockchain technology, software is happening kind of at such a fast pace that the bog standard compliancy services I think one day are going to be taken over by robot software. So the role of an accountant, in my opinion, has changed a lot in such a short space of time. So offering the advisory services in addition to the compliance services was where I felt I needed to pitch my firm. And again, going back to the timing, when I was looking at doing this in October 2019 versus October 2018, all of the, the markets were moving towards that's where accountants are going. They're shifting towards a trusted advisor role as opposed right. to just being a bog standard accountant ticking your compliance boxes. Okay. I've got an issue with that. I have. And it's this um, um, compliance and uh, added value, added, added advisory into compliance. Because uh, I'd like to just check whether you agree or disagree with this which is uh, my, my suspicion is that what's going to happen is accountants are going to be advisory first and compliance second because compliance is going to be driven by the tech as opposed to what you've just said which is yeah yeah, yeah compliance 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 and let's bolt on some advisory what, what are your thoughts around that i think again timing at the moment i believe that being a, a relatively new practice a lot of my bread and butter clients come to me for compliance services and in all honesty at the moment that is the, the easy sell for practices. So in my eyes I completely agree with you Paul in that you think that advisory should be at the forefront of the accountancy services and compliance comes afterwards. I'd like to move towards that shift but in reality for me as a relatively new sole practitioner the compliance gets me in the door first and yeah. I want to move that shift to advisory is what you should be looking at first and the compliance is just stuff in the background. But yeah, at yeah, the yeah. moment, like I said, getting new clients, winning new customers, people come to me as a, as a necessity to do their compliance services and yeah. they're, just, they're just not aware of the full suite of advisory services. So I think once you've got that foot in the door and people understand what it is exactly that what advisory means and what services yeah. you could offer, then they listen. But initially, if you put yourself in a business owner's shoes, they're not looking for this top advisor that could help their business grow. Right now, their main concern is finding their accounts on time, making sure their VAT returns are done, sure, and making sure, sure. sure that the compliance things are looked after first. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm hoping that the shift moves. That. Yeah, I accept that. I think there's, and it's not, it's, even the, whether you're in startup mode or you've been in existence for 10 years or 100 years, there is, the, the profession is still in that space where it is compliance-led. Yeah. Uh, partly because of the accountants, but partly because the expectations of business owner clients is that accountants deliver compliance. You know, let's hit Absolutely. the tax return deadline, let's hit the filing deadline for our, our limited company accounts and so on. Um, but I, it's this, uh, we are on a journey, you know, and it, like you say, it is a timing thing, isn't it? Where eventually the expectations, fingers crossed, in my view anyway, 
that business owners will seek out accountants to help them improve their business, not just deliver some numbers. Absolutely, and it's that yeah, added good. value and, and business improvement is the part where people, I think, need a bit more education. Uh, agreed, agreed. And, it, and there is, and I think, um, the, you're right, education is the key. Uh, I still have this real hang-up, though, Joe, when someone goes, added value, and it's like, no, 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 no. Let's start out with value yeah. and then just demonstrate what we're going to do for them, both from a compliance and an advisory perspective. It's not added value. Um, so I get quite heated about this one just because it's uh, it's like a secondary issue is adding value and it's like no 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 you're going to win clients if you can demonstrate you deliver value yes like you say initially around their expectations on the compliance services and later when you've established trust and a way of working that maybe you can do something more for them um, so tell me, I know um, uh, you, there's, there's more than you in the family in the, uh, in the practice. Can you just, just run me through how many people so far you've got in your firm and who's involved and, and, and so on, just so we can get a sense as to the, you know, the scale of the business and also the number of clients you've got so far as well, Joe. That would be interesting. Absolutely. So in total, including myself, there are now 10. Oh, wow. Including a work experience student placement. So there's a technically nine staff, including yep. myself. Now, of those nine staff, my financial director is my younger brother. Right, okay. <laughs> so he left his, his big job at uh, PwC exactly a year ago, actually, Feb 2020, right. to join me full time. Yeah. I have my mum, who left her, <laughs> her full time job last January. She used to be a university lecturer. She's now joined me as my operations manager, aka kind of office does everything really my dad has come out of retirement to to help with my business development right (laughs) so I've got three three close family members working with me and my sister-in-laws are also involved so my one sister-in-law Sue she's come on board as our client account executive so she's come out of being a full-time mom for 11 years with her history with a high street Lloyds bank she's come on board as our client account executive and my other sister-in-law has come on board as our office office PA and also client account executive so we do have some non-family members and we're looking to grow that as well yeah (laughs) But um, at the moment, I just thought, wow. you know, who better to start with when you need good quality, reliable, trusted staff than, than family, really? Brilliant. Brilliant. And uh, my, my background is I've, I've run, uh, well, this, the business I'm in now, Remarkable Practice, my wife's involved. Um, in uh, an, an earlier business, it was my dad, my mum and me. And so, I've, I've, you know, I'm quite familiar with both the upsides and the downsides <laughs> of, um, you know, fam- family business. Uh, this is a loaded question and not necessarily easy to ha- answer. You know, the scales presumably are on the up rather than the, the pros rather than the cons. But I am interested in where, where, if there are any challenges you've come across from it being family. Certainly. So, I mean, the bad thing about it is when there's family, you can't really switch off and ignore outside of work hour queries and questions. Yeah, yeah. So from that perspective, I'd say that's the downside to it, because with all my non-family staff members, I do not expect anyone to log, log on outside of, of normal working hours unless they're doing flexible working. So from that sure. side of things, it's been a bit of a, I'd say stressful in some some occasions for for family members because when we are extremely busy we go the extra mile and put in the extra hours now in terms of working with family I 
absolutely love it. I couldn't wish for a more solid team. But one funny aspect to my business, and my, my family won't mind me saying this, but my mum and dad got divorced when I was about eight years old. So now th being 35, having mum right. and dad work in right. my practice can sometimes yeah, be together. a challenge. So I've had to separate them. <laughs> <laughs> not, not in a bad way, but um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yes, for the early days, it was very evident that there were some uh, conflicts with, with mum and dad, but um, yeah, yeah. not on a, on, a, on, a, on a business scale, more, more professional, but that's to be expected, isn't it, if they've not it been is. used to being with it each is. other for a you long know, time. It, it's funny, I, 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 one of the, I was, when I was uh, making the decision to actually go into business with my father for the second time, um, I was challenged by a couple of friends and go, do you, do you really want to do that? I said, well, actually, no, actually what I want to do is build a stronger relationship with my dad oh, because we're sort of strangers. Say, yeah. And, um, you know, that was one of the big upsides of us working together. Now, don't get me wrong, we had some almighty um, <laughs> clashes. <laughs> you know, who's managing director, you or me, dad? And it's like, uh, well, I am. And it's like, well, I thought you made me managing director. You know, it's like one of them. Um, so we had a few of those. Uh, so... In terms of that, you know, uh, humanising a business, nothing quite like having a, you know, a family, and, and you've gone for it big time, haven't you? In I know. terms of sisters-in-laws, <laughs> mum, dad, brother, and um, I, I know you've got a couple of parrots. When are they starting at I the know, office? I know, yeah. Uh, well, I've got Jen, to teach them to speak first. They can only say hello. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. So, so how, how many clients have you got, Joe? And so what, we've got know, about what? 150 clients now in total. Right. Now, if I were to narrow that down in terms of compliance versus advisory, mm. I'd say 99% are pure kind of, sorry, about 90% are pure compliance. And I'd say 10% right. are compliance, sorry, 9% are compliance and advisory. And I'd say 1% are pure advisory, but we're working on them, right. on moving them over to compliance as well. Right, okay. Okay. Uh, so there's the... It sounds as though you've got a bit of a vision for the the business. Do you want to do you want to let us know what that what that is? So you know, essentially, you're a, a startup of less than eighteen months ago. Um, you're up to one hundred and fifty clients, nineteen members, and uh, one hundred and fifty clients already. So I'm going to be uh, quizzing you on how how have you managed to win one hundred and fifty clients in such a short period of time? But we'll get to that in a minute. Yeah. Um, I, I, it's um, it's what's the vision for the business? Where 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 are you taking this firm of yours? So if I were to sit back and go, what's the vision? Mm. Coming back from big four, PwC in particular, yeah. I am aiming big. So the vision right. is to be the go-to firm for accountancy, tax and advisory. And when I say big, I have got plans to expand rapidly in the UK and also overseas. Right. I've also started my joint venture into wealth management. Right. So in terms of the vision, in 10 years' time, I see ourselves up there as one of the, the top providers of advisory. Right. And uh, what, what sense have you got in terms of how that looks, in terms of uh, scale, nature of work, and so forth? Absolutely. So I've got my detailed business plan where I've gone 10 years, five years, three, two, one. So you've so worked in, backwards, I've great. worked backwards. So in terms yeah. of what that looks like, I want offices. I've already got offices in Sutton, Coalfield and Birmingham. Yeah. London, Manchester, Cardiff, Edinburgh. Dubai, right. Singapore, Los Angeles and Sydney. Right. 
within 10 years. Yeah. Okay, cool beans. Uh, so, yes, going, going large, going, clearly. I mean, go big or ho- go home, right? Isn't that what they say? <laughs> <laughs> Great line. Great line. Uh, how does it feel when you actually uh, go public and go, no, we've got a, I've got a 10-year vision, um, you know, multiple offices in multiple city locations around the world, when you're this, um, you know, modest-sized business working out of Birmingham and Sutton Coalfield? How does quite, it, it's the feeling. It's what, the feeling, what, yeah. It's quite, it's quite bolshy of me, isn't it, to, to kind of go yeah. in there and just yeah, tell you, you in all honesty what the plan is. But yeah. in, in all honesty, I've got nothing, no secrets. I don't want to hide anything. And funnily enough, this morning, our apprentice, who is fantastic, has been helping me beef up our business plan. So right. it's no secret to the whole team my clients and suppliers where I want to be and in all honesty by putting it out there to everyone I've got that accountability to myself so if I don't get there then it's going to be a bit embarrassing if I don't fulfill what I've set out to do. (laughs) So you're using the peer pressure of in your case your family as and colleagues not family colleagues if you're not (laughs) too many of them yet but we're getting there um and clients and you know um uh, have you gone public on your website where you're going? No, not yet, not yet, no. Not yet, all right. I just, uh, I know that because I had a look on your website. Um, <laughs> no, cool. So um, so what what are the priorities in your firm over the, the, for 2021? So I'm now looking at that, you know, you've got a, a vision for the 10 years. Um, what, what do you think are, are, are the priority or priorities for this year for Grant McKnight then? Number one is to grow the, the virtual finance director suite of services so the advisory side of things this year we are we are going out there and we're going to market and we're getting our target number of virtual finance director clients so that to me is my number one priority because I have spent the last 12 months as soon as kind of my team came on board Hmm. completely getting on point with my internal systems, processes, controls so now that I've got that suite operating effectively I can then concentrate on the advisory. And so what's your target number of advisory clients then for this year? 20 full-on VFD clients by December. Right, okay. And what will the average fee be for those? £3,000 a month. Right. So that is full suite of finance services outsourced to us, as Mm. well as as having Grant McKnight as your virtual finance director, which means that each month we provide a a board board report, high-level deep dive analysis of the business, digging into the key drivers of the business, helping understand the numbers, making sense of the numbers, and obviously looking at the budget versus cash flow and helping business owners really understand where they need to go in order to drive their business and at the minute you've got one and a half of those clients if you've got one percent of your uh, 150 clients are well done for yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's actually two but oh is it right yeah so (laughs) so you've got two of the 20 full on full on right yeah so we're sat in the middle of february and you've got two yeah and by the end of december you want you're gonna have 20 20 i nearly said you couldn't you want 20 but the the way this conversation's going i I get it's you're gonna get and gonna have 20 um so 20 with an average fee of 36 grand a year so you're gonna have annualized fees by the end of this year of 720k yeah attached to the vfd the virtual fd service absolutely and to help me achieve that plan we have taken on a another accountant 
right. who has uh, come out of retirement, who recently left uh, a Big Ten practice right. to, to join me as my, my third qualified director accountant. So it is, it is numbers, and I will yep. be taking on a fourth in, in April. All oh, right, okay. So, so it's going to be five per, right. per accountable director, so to speak. All right, so um, brilliant. So what do you think the, um, so we've talked about priorities this year. What, what do you think are the one or two key challenges facing the firm this year then? So obviously COVID is a huge challenge facing everyone. Now, it's a funny one because in a way we've grown with COVID because of so many businesses need that additional support but yeah. on the flip side of that our hospitality and entertainment clients have suffered yeah, drastically time, yeah. and yeah. a few of those were on target to be VFD clients yeah. and at the moment it's still a question mark as to when they're being picked up so for me the key challenge is the original targets and existing clients that were going to use those services those are on pause for now. So yes. it's shifting towards, okay, well, which, which industries, which areas of clients need that support? Now, it's a bit of a chicken and egg scenario because the hospitality clients will need those services ASAP. But right now, they can't quite afford to budget yeah, that into their cash flow when they've been closed. In stasis, really, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. they really uh, are. And then involved. the other thing is marketing. So mm. you said you've had a look at my website. Yeah. I'm looking at overhauling the website this year and also bringing in in-house marketeers right, okay. and social media. So uh, my social media game is not strong and that's going right, to okay. change this year. Okay, cool. Cool. So tell me about the, um, so you not much over a year old as a firm uh, and you've got 150 clients. How have you managed that? Through word of mouth. As a startup? As a startup. Started off right. with word of mouth. Right. Networking has been key. So right. without dr not dr uh, name dropping any names, I've joined a, a few different networking No, groups. go on, tell us. Tell us who okay, you've you joined. Go on. So Sutton Coalfield Business Connections are a free right. networking collective that I, I joined very early on. And yeah. that has been a lifeline for me. Oh, I've, wow. I've had quite a lot of customers move over from existing accountants, startups right. come to us purely because they've seen our name out there because we're actually sponsoring certain business connections. All oh, right. So that's You've been a key a one for us. Right, yes. okay. And we're actually right. supporting certain business connections by sending out the, the business of the week newsletter every week, which showcases for free a local business and their suite of services. So by just having that, that has increased our local uptake yeah, now the chamber of commerce have been absolutely yep. fantastic i've joined both the sutton coalfield chamber of commerce and the future faces chamber and i sit also sit on the sutton exec committee so via the chamber of commerce i did win an award last year um future face of finance yes i saw that i was going to quiz so you on that yeah. that has opened doors <laughs> right and also um prior to March last year when we had a global pandemic, I was actually hosting networking breakfast events in my office in partnership with NatWest Bank. Right. So we carried on that monthly networking by doing monthly webinars. So I've yeah. got exposure via NatWest as well. Right. 
How did you manage that as a startup? Because normally a startup might have a bit of a um, hesitation about appro- approaching an international bank to um, do a joint event with because I'm a mere startup. How did that work? Absolutely. So I'm a big believer in it's not what you know, it's who you know. Yeah, indeed. So, uh, and it's whether we... you've got the gumption to ask, Joe. I think. If you don't well. ask, you don't get. You don't get, absolutely right. So um, just by networking, again, through the chamber and through such yeah. a call for business connections, I was put in touch with, with NatWest's kind of business builder entrepreneur platform and it almost came about by chance because the the venue that they were using previously sadly went bust so someone said oh have you seen joe at grant mcknight seen her recent launch party in her offices in mere green and it kind of went from there really so before prior to lockdown we had a large uptake in my in my office right Joe, it sounds from what what you're doing, you've actually got a distinct marketing budget to invest in promoting uh, the firm. How how have you established what that is? How big is it? (laughs) At the moment, we're still in uh, the marketing budget for this year is £10,000, which isn't a lot for for an accountancy firm. But to date, I've managed to get by with free marketing via networking. So in terms of the marketing budget this year, we are taking on a Kickstarter, which will cost us um, six months the government pay for the Kickstarter. For 25 hours, don't we? Exactly. And we have got an external direct marketeer on a consultancy basis who will provide their services for half a day a month and will drive our marketing strategy, help implement it and work with our Kickstarter who will then turn Mm -hmm. into Apprentice. Mm-hmm. So you've been very specific that very that's specific. a key component of you building the business is you Absolutely. can't do it if you're not investing time and money in marketing. Absolutely, it's impossible. And at the moment, I've been very lucky with my marketing because it has all Touchwood been free. Um, uh, lucky. Or have you actually set out to do what needs to be done? And you've got time, not money, so you use the time to actually uh, you know, go down that networking word of mouth piece. Absolutely, and I originally thought that so after I'm, all I'm, of those... I'm not buying the look bit, Joe, I'm not <laughs> buying the look bit. You're doing the legwork. Well, I originally thought me. if I approach you know, X number of different hmm. networking groups, then I, I planned for, for one of those to pull off. I didn't plan for all, all of them to pull all off. All of them to, yeah, add yeah. More. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, well, well done. But presumably you, you, you must have time allocation then to this stuff as well. You know, there's you know, one, one, of, one of the one of the challenges that comes back from uh, lots of the firms that I'm, I work with and I'm associated with is, um, you know, the the sparsity of time availability because we've got that much to do, whether it be team issues, client issues, client emails, phone calls, Zoom calls, uh, you know, whatever's going on in the practice and and marketing plays a second fiddle all the time for a lot of firms. But it sounds as though that's not the case for you. Well, I've had to make time for marketing, so I was very lucky to have a business coach provided to me for free from the ICAUW, the Institute of Chartered Accountants, Mm. very early on. So that coach taught me in session one that as as CEO, as managing director, I should be spending 70% of my time on marketing. Yeah. Now, when I first heard that, I nearly fell off my chair. I thought, yeah, yeah. you what? I've got to do um, client work. But as, as I've started and as I've realized, 
what I do now is I colour code my calendar. So, for example, blues client delivery, green is strategy, orange is marketing and business development. And yeah. actually, when I look at my calendar and I'm doing webinars for the Chamber of Commerce, for NatWest, for certain business connections, I'm doing you know calls with with other people. It's actually taken up a lot of time, which yeah, yeah. you have to plan for. You have to. And if yeah, you don't, yeah, yeah. if you don't make the time you're not going to get anywhere. And also, well, I think being a business owner, you need to be on top of the business, not in the business. Yeah. And I'd, I'd, I'd argue with your phrase, uh, make time, because there's 24 hours a day. It just goes round and round and round. Tell However, uh, blocks of time for blocks of work, scheduling it in is what's needed. And I've, I've just been, I've just come off a, 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 a consulting call with a firm this morning who's uh, run ragged a little bit, but bottom line is, he needs more capacity in the firm to take, you know, lumpy client work off him so that he can then, and his marketer can actually go and do what needs to be done to grow the business into the next stage of their growth, which means adding, you know, three, four hundred K over the next two years for them. Um, so blocks of time for blocks of work. And if you, the, you do like you've done and I've done, which is colour code diary with not too many different colours. Otherwise colors, it yeah. starts to look as though someone's been sick in your calendar, <laughs> doesn't it? Um, I like to describe it as unicorns, not sick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> unicorns and rainbows, Paul. All <laughs> oh, right. OK, yeah, that's that's a better reference, isn't it, Joe? Yeah, yeah. Uh, OK, brilliant. So um, this VFD bit this virtual fd and, and that's the reputation you want to build it at grant mcknight so what, what what do you see as being a fundamental long-term challenge attached to that joe in all honesty it's going to be delivery and resource because when i said to you 20 that's the capacity that we can manage and want to manage so right. if you think that people are approaching us now for those services we're almost having to benchmark a level of ideal client and size turnover to where we want to be so I see my challenges being once we once people use that uptake and we get new clients it's going to be like well we can't drop our existing ones but I can't then go oh I would have loved to have that one and not that one because you can only serve so many so that's the part that I haven't quite figured out yet if I'm honest all right okay so there is that willingness to not choose a client yeah, as bad as that Because they're sounds. not quite... No, no, no. Yeah. Hey, uh, Joe, I, I, I work with um, uh, uh, Rob Walsh, ran a practice down in the southwest for um, uh, well over a decade. And um, uh, Rob achieved everything he set out to achieve in that business and, and sold it um, uh, last year, the year before. Um, the uh, One of Rob's key insights was um, be very clear about who you do not want to work with both in terms of employees and <laughs> with customers, with clients. And, um, you know, and, they, and they were very clear about who, were, every, every quarter they ran a review about who they shouldn't be working with. And uh, if they dropped below a certain line, metaphorically, yeah. um, they, um, they were asked to leave. They yeah. were very, very, very clear about it. And it takes some guts to do it that way. It really does. Um, because you're walking away from revenue and, and, and margin. Uh, but actually what you're doing is freeing up people to do higher quality work with high quality clients, aren't you? Exactly. And it's that balance that I think is going to be my challenge and struggle this year. It's yeah. who do we say no to now or say yes to at the detriment of a potential one further down the line. So it's striking that balance, isn't it? 
Yeah, how, how clear are you on what your ideal VFD client looks like, Jo? So in terms of size turnover, I don't want to pigeonhole or, or bracket something Fine. because obviously yep. it's industry, location, sector specific. So sure. we haven't gone with they must be this turnover bracket, this size. I've gone in going, where are they now? Where do they want to be? And then right. how can we help them? So for me, it's more about where that business is and... I'm not going to say added, but the value that yeah. we can bring, because I don't want to take on a, a client who's operating perfectly, effectively, and just taking over a, a, an FD role. We want to help businesses grow, scale up. So in all honesty, we've got a bit of a mix where we say, okay, well, I want five of those 20 to be startups with long-term right, okay. visions. So we've already got a few tech clients. They'd have to be well-funded startups if That's they're going to exactly be paying you. That's exactly what I was about uh, to say. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Well-funded tech clients, which we have got a few of those on our books that are you really? starred right. for those services. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then in terms of the other kind of ideal target client, as I said before, we've not got criteria on turnover and size. We're looking right. at, okay, well, have they got X, Y, Z? And where are they looking to go? And can we help them get there, really? And also, I haven't been picky about industry or sector or location, mm. but I do feel that that plays into a large part. So as I was mentioning earlier, hospitality clients that we had benchmarked this time last year, yeah. I've now said this year is going to be a no. So I've yeah, kind yeah, of deleted yeah. those off the list and put them on next year's list. Is that yeah, yeah, sense? yeah. Yeah, it does. It does. It's interesting. You might want to look up. There's. I, I did a, an interview, a two-part interview with a guy called Luke Smith, and um, uh, Luke's got an advi- very much an advisory-led accounting firm. Uh, av- average fees in excess of twenty thousand pounds, and uh, Luke talks clearly about there. There is a for him in his experience. Uh, there's um, if businesses drop below the million pound turnover, the 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 nature of the mindset. Not always, because you've got high growth businesses, but in the vast majority of cases, the, the, the mindset, funding and willingness to change isn't there in order to actually take on board. Now, there's a difference between um, VF, you know, virtual finance director type roles as opposed to a full on you know, business growth advisory role. That, they're two very different yes, elements, isn't they? Absolutely. And so, uh, you know, that, that therefore that might be. But you might want to look into, you, you know, check out Thank Luke's. Thank you, Luke Smith. He's, I will do. He's, re- he's really good. He's, Thank um, you. he's built a very, 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 very uh, nice business he has. You have to give me an intro. Uh, I will. I will. I, well, uh, from the beginning of this conversation, I think, oh, God, yeah, Joe should really have a chat with uh, Luke because Joe would enjoy it and Luke would as well because um, just be, you, you seem very uh, like minded. Um, okay, so. Uh, the let, let's turn let's turn this one around a little bit. Is there anything you want to ask me, Joe? I just you know you seem to, as though you've got it. Uh, you've got your your vision. You've got it mapped out. Um, you, you've got some clarity over the challenges you're facing. And and what I, if if there's one thing that stands out for me so far in your in your conversation is you're going look. It's all very well having grand plans, but you have got to deliver. So we're limiting it to twenty. Yeah, we've got the resource to deliver for 20 absolutely which will which will result in us getting 720 grand's worth of annualized fees by the time we get to the end of the year whether it's a couple of months early or a couple of months late you're probably not going to worry too much no, about that yeah but, um so what what you know based on where we've got to so far in this conversation what do you want to ask me so right are you well, it ready sounds like a bit of a pompous thing to say <laughs> but i'm just like oh my goodness what no, would she but, ask? but you're in such a privileged privileged position where you get to interview accountants such as myself who are 
what I like to call new age accountants adventuring out into the advisory side. So sure. do you come across a lot of accountants who have got their, their kind of vision and then something happens and the whole thing's shaken and turned on its head and they've had to completely pivot from the advisory side of things or do all of your stories result in success from the advisory? Uh, there's a lot of talk about advisory and um, and and there is definitely more appetite and activity towards re-engineering firms so that they deliver advisory. Um, uh, there's there's no one being steered away from that. The, you know, it seems to be that you know whether you're a twenty million pound turnover firm or a one million pound turnover firm, that 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 conversation is going. No, we've got to do more of this. We've got to do more of this. And I can point to, you know, like I say, million pound turnover firms. You know, two million pound turnover, three, five, up to twenty million. All going. Look, we've got to be more advisory. There's there is a commitment there. And and that is the you know it, it's the word of the moment, isn't it? Pivot, it you is, know, yeah. <laughs> and and pivot is what's got to happen really fast, which is what had to happen in that adrenaline fueled change associated with lockdown and remote working and and all of that. Um, I think the tone has changed now because we're in the um, perhaps heading towards the end of the storm, if you will, and now we're going to be picking up and dealing with the aftermath. Uh, but I do think what the profession's done brilliantly is. Uh, respond well not the profession lots of firms have responded well to the client care needs when the proverbial blood and bullets is flying around covid and pandemic and remote working and and all the rest of it um, and it's uh, i guess if there's a question that uh, or something that concerns me is whether that level of client care client contact client conversation that has been taking place goes back to where it was before and it becomes compliance, get the work out the door driven rather than client care, client contact, client conversation driven. And um, I think what you're doing in terms of blocks of time for blocks of work, there's uh, blocks of time and blocks of work for marketing. There's blocks of time and blocks of work for um, client care. And there's blocks of time and blocks of work for doing the compliance work. And it's, you know, if you've got those three things running on a, a weekly basis, then you, you're likely to, uh, whatever's been thrown at you, be able to pivot or work out how to make the most of it. And it's, um, if there's something that holds firms back is that they've not got that blend and balance every week around the leadership team on marketing, client care, compliance, get it out the door. As well as, by the way, grow your team. Because if you don't grow your team, you ain't going to grow your practice, eh? Absolutely. You need, you know, so you team need... development. So, you know, what, what, what blocks of time are being allocated to team development? And like you've already pointed out, there's that systems development piece as well. Yeah. So, you know, it, you know don't get me wrong, there's, there's a lot of moving parts running a business, isn't there? Yeah, there really uh, are. So, so your question's interesting, and I don't think there's any, well, there isn't anybody who's turning their face away from advisory on the grounds, like you said, everyone can foresee technology being um, uh, the one thing that reduces the... Uh, cost of and time invested in compliance work and therefore you know uh, clients will see that and if clients see that they'll be wondering why they're paying so much for a compliance service perfect and um, hopefully that answers oh it does and more question. and that's given me food right. for thought as well about Has the, the triangulation with the the client good, care good, good. as well so um let me flip it back then so how, how many people are you going to end up hiring this year joe 
another five. And how many clients are you going to win in total this year? So in total, it'll be 250 by the end of December. So you're going to win another 100 clients this year, of which 19 and a half of them are going to, sorry, 18 and a half of them are going to be, or 18, <laughs> are going to be uh, VFD star yeah, clients. Yeah, and the rest will be compliant. Right. So um, one last question, because it's, it's a joy for me to have a marketing conversation, actually. The, um, what's the, uh, where does your credibility come from to justify and demonstrate that you can and will deliver on the VFD work? So I'm quite fortunate that before setting up the firm, I was FD for Goodyear Dunlop UK and helping out globally. So I like to portray my expertise and knowledge around what needs to happen in the workplace for an FD role. I like to believe that, well, if that's where I'm coming from, then I can put that into practice with with other firms and also my my background with with uh, PwC training I didn't realize it at the time but in hindsight starting off in audit looking at large companies such as Jaguar Land Rover Selfridges Cadbury's actually gave me such an insight into how large companies operate and what mm. finance directors should or shouldn't do so in mm. terms of credibility I believe that my my CV so to speak speaks for itself if that makes sense okay so let me ask you a question around that then so is 2021 the credibility of the grant mcknight offer for vfd work uh, built around joe as opposed to built around grant mcknight it sounds as though you're in that space have i understood that yes you have yeah and that's the space that i'm in at the moment and now i need to now put it out to to the world and the wider network that i've got an a star team of accountants who have also got their own level of credibility with their past but now my challenge like you said is via marketing is getting that credibility with my brand with grant mcknight rather than me as an individual and that's what i'm finding hard if i'm honest with you paul it's yeah, how do you i move to that any. shift because grant mcknight could be anyone whereas yeah, it could and I'd argue, I think you're wasting your time in 2021. I think yeah. in 2021 is get you, you come hell, rain or shine, whatever you have to do, you get the 20, yeah. which, to be honest, is going to revolve around your credibility, not the firm's. It is, yeah. And then be, you, your team are going to be delivering a huge chunk of that. And then all of a sudden you'll be building internal stories and client facing stories because clients will be working with them as much, if not more than they're working with you. And then all of a sudden, your uh, case studies, if I can call them that, your case study stories in 18 months' time, two years' time, will be team-related rather than Joe Drinkwater-related. Absolutely. And, and so I think you, you, you pee, excuse my French, I think you're peeing in the wind trying to build the credibility of your team when you should be just actually riding the surf wave, which is called Joe Drinkwater's credibility. <laughs> Thank you, Paul. I'll take that on board. And I think you're absolutely right because at the moment... You know, my, my firm is still very new. And like you said, at the, at the moment, it's, it's on my credibility. And I think that's reflected, like I said to you before, I really need to up my social media game, which at the moment I would admit is poor. So I'm just kind of getting used to LinkedIn. And it's that LinkedIn profile in my name that's, that's getting our credibility. But our business page, you know, the amount of likes on there and content is, is limited until we take on that, that marketing uh, kickstart and 
you're right. Yeah, it's, so it, it's... it requires legwork there, doesn't yeah. it? But actually, you know, the, uh, the the argument goes, and I think this is absolutely rock solid, is uh, what are you marketing exactly? What are you promoting exactly? Who's the hero you want to push? Yeah. And I would argue that the hero you want to push are your clients, not you, not yeah. Grant McKnight. Yeah. Um, the, the success you know. of the client's growth story. And I don't think you can quite beat things like video testimonials in this I day agree. and age. And we're I quite agree. fortunate that one of our clients who's about to switch the tap on to his VFD services this month oh, is, he? Right. is a right. media a credible media company. Yeah, he's on your he's yeah, on your website, isn't he? One. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He did a <laughs> great no job. Names. Yeah, thanks, Bill. Yeah, yeah. He did. yeah. <laughs> no, he did a great job. Uh, and uh, you know, I'm on uh, I'm on video on my accountant's website because they do a great job for me. There you go, then. And it's and that and that more of that is needed. With it's uh, you know you'll find this interesting, Joe. We've um, we've been experimenting with video on LinkedIn, uh, short ones. And if we post something in written form on LinkedIn, we might get. 150, 200, 250 views. If we post a video, we'll get over a thousand. Wow. You know, so, you know, have we got any choice but to go down that video route? I don't think so. Um, but then you go, well, what, what, what stories are you going to tell? Now, all I'm, all I'm telling is I'm going to be telling a, when we finished, I'm going to record a 90 second, uh, go, uh, you know, go to video promo video about Joe Drinkwater and Grant McKnight. Thank you. It's not about me. Yeah. It's about you. <laughs> um, so yeah, there's that that video. Yes, social media maybe yes, but it's who are we pushing? Mm. Let's push our client stories, not our story. And I th- and a lot of accountants go, you know, look how good I am. Look at me. Look at me. And social media is all look at me. Look at me. You go, hang on a second. How do you stand out from that crowd? Yeah, and I I don't compete with that. <laughs> and it's, you know, it, it takes a lot of energy to compete with that. Yeah. When actually you could be different and go. Look at what our clients are doing, yeah, and become client focused. So um, this has turned more into a you know, consulting session than it has an, an interview, <laughs> I think. But uh, hey, uh, Joe, tell me what's what's um, what stood out of being of most value and interest to you in this discussion today. I would say your expertise and knowledge on digging deep. No, no, no. It's not about me. No, no, no. Don't go there. Don't go there. What practical outcome? What practical insight have you got from uh, from from what we've talked about? I'd say my marketing strategy for this year, what you've just given me hints about focus on myself and my credibility rather than the brand, which is going to take a while to develop. I'm going to go away and implement that straight away because Uh, I can honestly say that in my strategy, we were looking at building the social on Grant McKnight. And from that discussion, I think I need to focus that on my LinkedIn and videos and do it on me. So that's a a really good takeaway that I'm going to you're shaking your head now, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> I am. I am. No, you are right. The credibility piece is around you. But with my but if, clients. But if, if it makes you out to be the hero, then that won't work. If you make your clients out to be the hero of the stories, yes. then all of a sudden, so you're the voice of these stories. Now, sometimes they have to be anonymous because clients don't want to, people making a fuss of them. Yeah. And sometimes people like your, um, your media guy on your website is more than happy. Yeah. Uh, and so can you see the anonymous ones, you can be the face and the public ones, you can get your clients on the case. Absolutely. Um, if So um, yeah, very good, very good. Um, f- for me, it's uh, refreshing and inspiring that uh, here's someone who's got a crystal clear, ambitious view of their future 
and with a, a, a reasonably detailed insight in terms of priorities and challenges for the year ahead. Um, and if you had more time, I'd dive into well, what specific actions are you taking to overcome the challenges and so forth. But this podcast interview doesn't allow that. Um, so I've really enjoyed it. Thank you very much for taking time out of your day and, um, and being so open and frank and candid, Joe. It's been brilliant. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Paul. It's been wonderful. You'll find more valuable discussions with the leaders of ambitious accounting firms at humanisethenumbers.online. You can also sign up to be notified each time a new podcast is made available. This podcast series, Humanise the Numbers, has been made possible thanks to the support of our sponsors, My Work Papers, Advanced Track, Citago and VFD Pro. Visit humanisethenumbers.online, click the logo of each sponsor and you'll hear what our podcast interviewees have to say about the sponsor's services.